next one. The Bible says that money is the root of all evil. True? False. The answer is false. The love of money. That was tricky, wasn't it? All right, now I want you to be careful on this last one. Be careful. Okay, remember, right hand, right fist true, left fist false. God will not give you more than you can handle. True? False. Oh, I'm hearing all these answers out here. That's a lot of fun. It's actually false. It actually, someone's attempting to summarize in 1 Corinthians 13, but the fact of the matter is, if, if God doesn't give us more than we can handle, then we don't ever really need him, do we? And so the Lord, he puts us in places where, I don't know if I can handle all the sick people around me. He's got, good, I got a gift for that. That wasn't part of my notes, but I just think it fits so well. Why is this important? Well, it's important because we live in a day where the uh, ability for us to be able to differentiate between truth, which God deals with, and lies, what Satan deals with, is incredibly important for us. We must be able to differentiate the difference. I was with a group of pastors a number of years ago, and... uh, there was, a, there was a revival going on in place in our country, and, and, and the guy that was leading the revival, uh, he would say that uh, he would meet with an angel, and the angel would tell him what to do, and they would see all these miracles. And one of the pastors said, well, it must be God, there's miracles. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, no. The devil can do miracles. In fact, in fact, he's going to deceive the Antichrist can be able to deceive the world because he's going to do miracles that, that's going to boggle the minds of people. See, if we don't understand the difference between truth and lies, we can get in a bit of trouble. They say that, that only one in six followers of Jesus read, listen, or in, in some way receiving God's word um, three to four times a week. One in six. The Bible... I do most everything electronic, and um, so I had to run in to get Erica's Bible here. But the Bible is important because the God that's in here is the God who's out here. The way he speaks in here is the way he speaks in here. The activity that I see in here, I start to look for out there. And so in our spiritual maturity, our spiritual maturity isn't so much how much of this we know, but how much of this we recognize in our everyday life. How much of it is expressed in our everyday life. And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to actually deal with a truth that people will go, boy, that's really something that I had to put my right fist up. But it's not something that often is lived out because when it comes right down to it, we believe the truth about our culture more than the truth of Scripture. In fact, when I read the Scripture here in a moment, which is obviously already up there, but when I read it and you read it, we have to break or we have to dispel or we have to change the mental image in your minds of what that is trying to say. 
So let's read it together. It says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as, as is in the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Do you know what day he's referring to? He's referring to the coming of the Lord. Now, for some, the coming of the Lord is way closer than others because of death. Our uh, Clarissa's stepmom is, is facing a life or death situation. The coming of the Lord for her is much closer. But can we say, and I think it's fair to say, and I think we would all agree, that, that the Lord is closer to coming today than he was 10 years ago. The Lord is closer to coming today than he was 20 years ago. So if the Lord is closer to coming today than he was 10 years ago or 20 years ago, does the body of Christ, does the family of God, do the, do the, do the brothers and sisters in Christ meet more or less? When I was growing up, I, my dad was in construction, and uh, we lived out uh, in the woods, and he would leave the house at 5 in the morning, and he oftentimes wouldn't get back until 5.30 or 6 o'clock at night. But we would be in church on Wednesday night, on Sunday morning, and Sunday night. When I was, when Clarissa and I were raising our children, uh, we would, you know, we were American parents, and you know, we didn't have a van. I guess we did at some point. And uh, we took our kids to soccer practice, right? Because that's what you do. Uh, you know, I was the kind of parent that I, not just, I didn't just go to the games. I went to the practices and just enjoyed that season of life. But the, as they improved, they, they were encouraged to be part of what's called a traveling team. And do you know when traveling teams travel? Sunday. And so we had to make a choice. Do we, do we allow the culture that we live in dictate the way we do life? Or do we allow God's word to dictate the way we do life? Today we live in a day where, it, it's kind of funny, I, I kind of feel we've moved into a, a, a season in at least American history where introverts rule the day. Right? Because introverts, they don't, you know, they don't like to talk, right? Until they talk about their being introverts. Then they got a whole lot of things to say. Right? You find this to be true. Right? And so what's come out of that is that people, people have bought in, and watch this, they've bought into the lie of the enemy. I am done peopling. That's a common phrase in our world today. I'm done peopling. I people Monday through Friday. Why do I want to do any more peopling than I have to? This scripture here is a precursor to Hebrews chapter 11. And if you're unfamiliar with Hebrews chapter 11, that's the great hall of fame of faith chapter. That's the chapter where faith is expressed all these different ways. And the reason faith is expressed all these different ways isn't because of spiritual evolution. It's because a people lived and operated every day in a manner that was aligned with God's word, the life of Jesus, rather than the culture of the day. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us to go out and quit our jobs. The Bible doesn't tell us to, you know, to, to not buy homes or not do what we have to do. But when the scripture is the rule for our lives, it changes things. 
Now, another thing about this scripture is when, when the letter of Hebrews is being written, and they don't really know who wrote the letter of Hebrews, whether it was Paul or whether it was Barnabas or whether it was Aquila. Could he, ladies, you like this. It very well could have been a woman that wrote the book of Hebrews. And I say that in all seriousness. But when it was written, here's what they didn't do. I can't imagine the writer of Hebrews going, we got to get more people to church. This is where our mental picture has to change a little bit. If you think that Hebrews chapter 10 and these two verses have to do with you coming to church on a Sunday morning, your God rises people to such a low bar. Coming to church, is, that, that's, a, that's a fruit of being in the life of Christ. Why wouldn't I want to be with fellow believers on a Sunday morning worshiping God? Because there's a dynamic that takes place when the larger group gets together. But the writer of Hebrews understood that for us to actually live out the faith that we are called to, that we were called to a, a dynamic of relationship that is so countercultural. A kind, of, a kind of community that lifts one another up. That kind of community that, that um, encourages and, and stirs up the things of the Lord in each and every person. And so, uh, how much, how much uh, stirring up has gone in you this morning? Now, I pray that every Sunday, that whether I'm speaking or Bill's speaking or Pastor James is speaking or, or Rex speaks, that we're stirred up at some level. But the scripture says one another. And, and the, by the, the sheer fact that this, this type of church, not again, we're going to get to the point where we talk about Sundays in church, but I want you to get this. That, that this, is, this, is, a, this is, an, is more of an audience receiving as opposed to a building up and a strengthening of one another. When I came to uh, start following Jesus, I didn't have someone who built me up. I didn't have someone who, who stirred me to love and good works. But what I've come to, to really find over time, and that's our connect today, is that, that spiritual fires, they really thrive or they prosper in intimate groupings. And so I uh, thought it would be good because I think there are so many uh, illustrations that we can get out of a campfire that we would just start a blazing campfire this morning without the fire. <laughs> there comes a point you have, to, you have to use your imagination this morning. But I held that match at the beginning. And that match represents a, an American Christian individualism. That whenever someone decides that it's about me, and I'm going to live about me, not only does the flame diminish, as you saw with my finger, somebody eventually gets burned. Oh boy, I could preach on that. Because we've experienced that, haven't we? Where someone's individualistic ego got to a place where it was about them and somebody ended up getting burnt. And so when I think about starting a, a campfire, it requires 
more than one log. We're going to use this as an example. If this was, if this was us, this, we could light this on fire as an individual. We could, it would burn quite a while. In fact, it would be, be a nice torch for looking around, so on and so forth. But at some point, uh, it's going to run out. But, but more than it's going to run out, its flame, I want you to get this, its flame is limited in the scope of height and heat when this is by itself. And so we're called to this, this community. We're called to this stirring up of one another. And so, you know, around here we call them life groups, but it doesn't just have to be life groups. All of a sudden you go, okay, I, I got to put some of these things together. And when I start putting them together, when it begins to burn, we'll come back to that here and get this one here in a moment. This scripture is illustrating a dynamic that we need to get today. Is that the body of Christ, like these logs, were meant to lean against each other. And when they lean against each other, here's, here's what won't happen. One, one log is not going to argue about being better for the fire than another. But in order for the flame to reach its height... This has to come together. But here's what else has to happen. An incredible spiritual dynamic that this illustrates so good is that each one of these logs will become less of itself so there can be more of a flame. And so the community that we are talking about isn't, isn't something big. We're talking about something small. And so I think a question that's always good for us is who are you leaning on? And who's leaning on you? Because if there's nobody leaning on you, if you're not leaning on anyone, then I would venture to say that you are living a form of, of individual Christianity that, that may have a level of light to it, but the, the, the flame that God desires to have happen is limited in its scope because it's just you. Now, Clarissa and I are, are, are two that, that we, we lean on each other, but, you know, um, you know, this might surprise some of you, but she's a female and I'm a male. And there are some things I just can't lean on my wife about. And so Bill and I, we had breakfast on Friday morning and I said, you know, here's, you know, I just I need to lean on you in this area. I wouldn't, this is not something Clarissa needs to think of. This is, I need another man to talk this about. Men, you can amen that. Your wife will amen it too, even if she doesn't do it out loud. Because there are guy things that we just got to lean. But when guys lean in together, there is a flame that begins to, to emerge that goes beyond the scope of just one. And so as we, as we do that, here's the, here's the other dynamic about it. This, this, to me, when you start thinking about it, is that the, in these campfires... It's, it's this that the other people come around for safety. It's, it's what other people come around to find warmth. It's what other people come around to find the, these memories that are shared in stories. Because there are people who are willing to lean in with one another in a place of relationship. And so in the, in the whole grow piece, there's really a, a pattern that really has emerged here. There's a process and there are problems because there are always problems, right? But let's talk about the pattern. 
And I would submit to you this morning, this has been, I know Rex preached this a, a while ago. This will give some of you a good topic to disagree with pastor on uh, over lunch. Smaller is better when it comes to spiritual development. Smaller is better. America doesn't need another revival. What America needs is a million campfires. People who will lean into one another in life. Jesus, Jesus is always the, the pattern. Jesus ministered to the masses, right? He fed them. He, he healed them. He talked to them about kingdom life. He ministered to them. And they offered him up to the cross. Then he chose 72. And, and with 72, he actually um, began to really uh, mobilize them for ministry. He, he said, go out two by two. But here's the thing. The 72, the majority of them left him. When he said, unless if you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you can have no part of me. And they went, whoa, 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 Jesus, hold on. That's way too much for me. Because there, there, there are people who will, they'll lean into ministry. They'll lean into the things of the Lord. But there comes a point where it's too much. Where you find the 72, they all left him. The ones he ministered to sent him to the cross. The, the 72 left him. But then he had a 12, the smaller group. You know what he did with the 12? He mentored them. And what you find time and time and time again is that the 12 were all leaning in. They were all leaning in. And because they were leaning in, Jesus knew that, that it wasn't just a matter of his mentoring them. They weren't going to leave him. They weren't going to offer him up to the cross. Yes, Judas did his thing, but, but the 11 didn't. They became him. They lived his life when he was gone. When people lean in, in a place of spiritual maturity, the fire grows to the place that the life of Jesus might be lived. Because we're not called to independence, we're called to interdependence. We're called to a mutual dependency. So my life, well, I'd like to be, you know, I'm, I'd like it to be just, you know, by myself, da, da, da. There are times I sit at home and I think, man, if I could just, you know, be a FedEx employee that has a crash on an island and it would be me and Mr. Wilson. But this pattern of smaller, we have to make that our life pattern. We have to look for the smaller moments. But there's also a process. And the process really is found in the scripture because the, the scripture says that we're, to, we're, we're called to stir up. Say those words, stir up. That means that you are called to incite or stimulate. But I want you to think of it this way. Uh, because I wouldn't have said this two years ago, but since Bill has come and been way more involved in my life, we were involved before, but way more. You just need positive irritants in your life. Tell your neighbor, you need a positive irritant in your life. Now, some of you, that is marriage, right? Because marriage is not about making you happy, it's about making you holy. Get that. Marriage is not about making you happy, it's about making you holy. But beyond that, you need people who are willing to challenge 
if you're struggling in sin. They can say, I'm here to help. They can say, let's, let's put a different plan together for a daily routine for your life. Or if you find yourself leaning in and you're defending your sin, they're there to challenge it. Or even more, you're setting up camp in your sin. They're there to discipline you. So the scripture says that we're, we're called to stir one another up towards something, though. We're called to stir one another toward love. That's the very first thing. And you actually cannot love a person unless you're willing to sacrifice for them. So when you say you love, if you want to know how well you love, just think of your worst enemy. How do you well do you love them? Who in your life is, is challenging you to love the person that hurt you the worst? The person that stole from you? The person that gossiped about you? The person that divorced you? Whatever it might be. How's that love meter doing? And who is around you challenging you to love the ones who hurt you the most? That can only happen in the smaller. It only happens in the more intimate of gatherings. Because the truth is that you're not to hold on to bitterness. The truth is that you're not to, to backbite. The truth is that you're not to, to, to get revenge. You, the truth is you're to love like Jesus has loved you. And in a day that is getting ever darker, we need people in, her, in our life who will constantly remind us of that. Truth and good works. Do you know that you and I, we were created for good works? Now, I want you to get this. Good works does not save you. You are saved for good works. The body of Christ in a dark and dying and selfish and ego-driven, uh, love-money-driven society should look profoundly different because we are loving like Jesus and doing good works that make others scratch their heads. But we only do that when, when we have people in our life who are being that positive irritant. This, this, to me, this little piece of wood here, um, the hardest thing about this piece of wood is the bark. And what I mean by hardest, I'm talking about to deal with. Uh, years ago, missionary Jim Hall, he's missionary to Africa, but he, uh, as a kid, he was a missionary to Africa, and an elephant chased him up a tree. And he was only in shorts. And he slid all the way down the tree. Yeah, just, just. So. Now, here's the thing. When you begin to lean in, somebody with a rough edge is going to lean in there with you. And, and it's going to irritate you and show you all the places where your flesh is still in the control of yourself. But... If you allow this to get, now hopefully this all stay up, because getting everybody to lean together is not an easy task either. But if, when it gets leaned into the fire, it's, the, it's that part, it's the flesh, it's the, it's the rough part that gets burnt away first. 
But unless they're in a loving relationship with people who will do good works, that flesh will stay there time, time, time again. But part of the, part of the whole process is that we encourage one another that you can do this. I, I, I was this, this morning, this doesn't happen every Sunday, but the, from literally the first 15 minutes that I got here today, prayer requests, okay, would, I need you to pray with me about this. You, I need to say, multiple people came with us. And, and what it was, is not a person being that match. It was a person saying, I need to lean in so the flame of God might consume a problem, might consume a situation. And here's the reality. In our modern day, it's, everybody's got to lean into the pastor. I, I, listen, I'm always good with those prayer requests. I'm not saying don't bring the prayer requests. But I cannot be the only person that you lean into. You have to have, be around people that you can lean into that will encourage you, that will demonstrate a love, that will, that will stir up good works in you, that you in turn can turn and stir up in other people. So you can be a positive irritant, not just an irritant, but a positive irritant. Because when, when, you, when you have this, the other, you, know, you have the, the pattern, the process, but you do have problems. When you, when you start leaning into one another, you start having some issues. Because the fact of the matter is, we all have egos. And, and our egos come out in various ways. And our egos are better known when we're close to people. So Clarissa and I, we, we went somewhere and we... You know, it was, it was North Dallas, whatever, our Grand Prairie. And when I got home, I said to her, I said, did I okay? didn't mess you up driving this time, right? Because my ego comes out of my driving. I'm the best driver on 635, 820, 30, 20. You're laughing because you haven't seen me drive. I'm good. But you know how, you know, it doesn't come out with a, I don't have a bumper sticker on my car that says I'm a good, you know, I'm a good driver. I have a thought process that says, what are you doing? You should do it like I'm doing it. We all have an ego that, that when we're with close people, it starts to come out. And so when you, when you encounter that problem, you, you're, not, you're not asked again, oh, God's going to give me more, no more than I can handle. Baloney is going to give me people you can't handle. And so you step back and you go, Jesus, I need a love for that person. Their ego means they're an EGR, extra grace required. And because they're extra grace required, you, God, have to give me more grace to recycle toward that person. I cannot do that out of my own humanness. I can't do that out of my own ability. It's got to come from him in order to go to someone else. But the other, was, oh, the other thing is, because I'm, I'm, someone asked me, and I, it was a great question. Uh, she knew her to our church, and she made an appointment with me, and, and she says, what do you want from the Lord? What are you asking the Lord for? And I said, man, I'm just asking for a bunch of disciples that'll just get on fire for Jesus and want to go and just spread Jesus everywhere they go, everywhere they, everywhere they if it's people they meet every night, they're just hungry for that. And what I found in Texas is, Texas is really just a great place to live. Clarissa and I just love Fort Worth. But Texans have more excuses than there are acres in this state. <laughs> Some of you are not laughing because you know I'm right. We have every excuse not to meet to get with each other. We have every excuse. I don't have any time. My kids are on the traveling team. 
I'm peopled out. Imagine, imagine that saying that to the God of heaven who died on the cross. God, I'm peopled out. If you're peopled out, ask for the grace to give to the people. But we have all these excuses, but it's, it's in here that you really have to pray for people. You don't just cast them to the side. You just forget about them. You pray for them. That God will challenge them. That God will urge them on. The, the other problem that just happens is life, right? I wish life was a straight line. I wish my spirituality was a straight line. It's not. There are problems. There are issues. We have to, we have to make choices in our life to, to lean in and to be in relationships that are leaning in. Otherwise, work, hobbies, Netflix, whatever, will take that away. When, we are, when Mondays, when we're talking over the calendar, there'll come a point, I'll say, no, we can't do so much stuff as a church that we're doing and not leaning in relation. I don't use that vernacular, but I put a stop. We can only do so much because we want people leaning in in relationships. And if you're always having to go to another meeting, if you're always having to do another event, then you're not leaning into relationships. Our desire is that everyone leads into a relationship. But because life is hard, you have to make hard choices to make it work. Because it's not intended to be, a, to be a program, but it is a process. And so let me give you the go pieces and we'll, we'll finish up here because there's really, they're, they're pretty simple in, in my estimation. Is, is the first thing is that we in our own hearts, we have to make a commitment to do this. That's a commitment that every one of us have to make. Now, whether that means that you're in an official life group or you're just meeting people at a Starbucks, that's a commitment. I'm going to commit to, to lean against some people and have some people lean against me. That's a commitment we make. It's a commitment we make to the Lord. And a commitment that we should make even more the closer it comes to his return. Why? Because the whole world does this. COVID did an amazing thing when it came to this kind of thing. Now, I'm not against mass. I'm, I never had a problem with mass. But I, as I, um, when I'm done the Spanish class, I'll, I'll go over to Starbucks and work for a little bit. And there's a sweet young barista. And I've actually, if I saw her outside of Starbucks, I'd never recognize her because there was this, there's this mask over her face. She's so sweet. She even brings out little taste tests for us from time to time. But I give that picture because that's, I think that's sometimes how we are in our church family. We'll let people only see so much because we're not making the commitment to lean in one to another. But not only need to lean in, and this is, this is critical. Again, you'd say it's true, but if it's not a priority, it's not going to happen. It, it, the, this is where the spirit, my prayer, is that the spirit of the living God would stir in our hearts this desire to want to lean in with somebody and have somebody lean in with me. Because ultimately, when we make it a priority, the last thing that happens is we make it a lifestyle. It just becomes the way we are. Nothing thrills my heart more than to be able to sit down with somebody whose heart is open. I, this um, last Friday, we had this guy that golfed with us, and uh, he, uh, once he found out we were pastors, he's, you know, then he opens up about all the horrible things that are going on in, in churches and, you know, 100 million, 200 million, 600 million dollar pastors. And I, 
And I, and I just said to him, I said, you know, if you keep your eyes on that, you're going you're gonna to be really disappointed. But you got saved because of Jesus. So keep your eye on Jesus. And you know what? I just, as I'm speaking to him, it just hit a hard heart. There wasn't a, there wasn't a willingness to open the heart up to make Jesus a priority and to make his way of life the way of life that this man would live. That saddens me. But there are people, I, got a, I don't want to go into details, but I got a chance to, to lead a Christian to Jesus on Saturday morning over breakfast. I was like, yeah, there was a heart that was open. Because there was one who was willing to lean in. So my, I think that, that for us, the, the, the place that the Lord is calling us and igniting change is we have our own story in Hebrews chapter 11. Because Hebrews chapter 11 is all about faith. But faith truly cannot be expressed unless you're leaning in and allowing the spiritual fire to fully prosper. Because it's in Hebrews chapter 11 that you find that faith is believing when you don't see. You can need encouragement when you do that, by the way. When you obey, even when you don't understand. When you give, even though you don't have. When you persist, even when you don't feel like it. When you're thanking before you ever receive it. When you're trusting and you, when you don't even receive it. That can only happen in a life of people who are leaning in one to another. Now, I want to just leave with this and we're going to pray. If you're a life group leader, you have somebody leaning in your life. Here's what I want you to do. This is an assignment. I really am asking for open hearts here. I want you in your life group. I want you in your, in your, in your smaller groups of people. I want you to, this, this week, two weeks at the max, I want you to write down what miracle or miracles you're believing for. And we're going to come with a, a list of miracles that we're going to see people that are coming together and leaning one another in, into one another. And the flame of God's presence is going to do miracles. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you'll lean into this, if you'll do it, you're going to see miracles. Because what we saw in 2023 is miracles happen in the smaller groups. And then we rejoiced on them on Sunday. And so I want every life group leader to write down miracles. This is what we're believing for. This is what we're believing for. Now, let me qualify that just a little bit. Let's make sure what we're believing for has an eternal impact. Now, listen, if you're out of a job, the miracle is getting a job. I get it. I do. But that's not in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is all about God's kingdom and trusting in him in profound and beautiful ways. So as you're writing the miracles down, let's make sure that those miracles are intended to expand and extend God's kingdom and bring the king glory. And so Lord, we say yes and amen to your plans and purpose. Lord, that we would all have people that, that we are leaning into and that are leaning into us. In fact, if you want that to be true in your life, I just want you to take your right hand and squeeze it into a fist. Say, Lord, I want to be leaning in and I want people to be leaning into me because, Lord, we understand that that's truly how change is ignited. So, Father, thank you for your word. We believe that, Lord, as the day comes close, that we're going to be a people that are coming together in such a way that your flame is consuming us. So there's less of us and more of you in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen.
Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.